Okay, we're going to be reading out of John 1, 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me, for of his fullness we have received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, only the begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Father, we ask you to open our eyes and allow us to see wonderful things out of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He tabernacled among us. We read the the verse that says that he dwelt among us. But the real meaning of that word dwelt is not quite as specific as tabernacled, which is the real meaning of that word to live among us. But it means he came and pitched his tent. That's the literal meaning that he dwelt among us. And so When did they live in tents? Back in the Old Testament, they lived in tents. Abraham lived in a tent. And many of the patriarchs were dwellers and pilgrims living in tents. God, in fact, came and met with his people in a tent. We call it a tabernacle. And a tabernacle is a large residence Probably Abraham had a very large tent. And this tent was a very special tent. And last year we went through all the uh, particulars of what the tabernacle was all about. And every bit of it, every detail of it, points to what God was intending to do in sending his son. So we can really say that that tabernacle in the Old Testament was 
a detailed prophecy instruction of what Jesus was to fulfill in his life and coming to us as a man. Remember we talked about the tabernacle being a place that there was only one gate, only one way. And often we as Christians are accused of being very narrow. Why is there only one way? There are many ways, people say. But no, according to God, there is only one way. And Jesus came saying, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And so there is only one way. We'd like to say, well, we're sorry to say that, but we're really not sorry to say that because we have come to understand about Jesus Christ. And so with that, we invite people to consider Jesus Christ. And this month is a good opportunity for us. We're surprised at the amount of effort that goes into this month in lights. I mean, you look at that Christmas tree in, in front of the Eki. How many lights are on that? I bet. No, I don't. I'm not a betting man. But anyway, I think, what, what's your guess? How many lights do you think are on that tree? A hundred? A thousand? Maybe even 10,000. I don't know. I, I've never seen a Christmas tree like that. <laughs> anyway, that's, it's not about Christmas trees. It's about Jesus and his birth and his coming to earth for us in John 1, 1 to 18. So I underlined this red tabernacle because every time I typed in tabernacle, my spell check put a red line under it. <laughs> because I made a noun into a verb. But that is the way that the Hebrew has it. Tabernacled, he tabernacled among us. He was the pre-incarnate Christ. In verses 1 to 5, we'll see that particularly. And it shows that he is the word. He's the light. We had that this morning with the lights on the uh, menorah. And the center one is the main light. It's not a candle. It's a uh, bulb or branch. And that is representing Jesus Christ. And we are part of that as lights with him. And then we have Jesus as the life. And we'll talk about life this morning. And then that he is the only begotten son. Those are the particulars that we want to focus on this morning. Let's think about him as the pre-incarnate Christ. John does something very unusual, I think, in the layout of his gospel. He actually goes back to the book of Genesis in the first chapters and looks at what that means in regards to creation and then what does Jesus Christ have to do with creation, the creation of the world, of the heavens and the earth? What does Jesus Christ have to do with that? Well, I'll tell you, and John declared this, that Jesus was there at creation. Read your Bibles carefully, and perhaps you don't realize that when God says, let us 
let us, let us. He's not talking to himself or to the angels. He is talking to the three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were there. Jesus was there. Yes, Jesus was there, but he didn't have a body. That's why we call it pre-incarnate. Incarnate is a difficult word for uh, body. Is before he had a body. And so Jesus then was there in those five verses that, that John describes from Genesis. What was the first act that God made when he saw the condition of the earth? It says that he spoke. And in his speaking, he said, let there be light. And it wasn't a command that was, okay, angels, go out there and just light all those stars up. No, it was the power of his word declaring that there was darkness. Now there is light. And that's the power of God. And that's what he can do in our lives. When he comes into your life, like in Aki's father that we're praying about, and that apparently the lights aren't on yet with your father. But we're praying for that, that when God releases him, or when he accepts Jesus Christ, the light will go on. That's what happened in my life. And if you know Jesus Christ, that's what happened in your life as well. God ordained it. Light. In the beginning was the word. And God's word is powerful. And it can change lives. It's designed to change lives. And the word was with God. And the word was God. John tells us that very specifically. He's not saying, well, he was like God. Or the word was like God. No, it was God. Very specific. And Jesus himself was in the beginning with God. Secondly, John tells us about the light. And that was something that came out of his own life. God looked on the earth and it was dark and without form and required light. Without light, you shelter or cover up a tree or a plant or an, even an animal in darkness, it will die. You know, there's a darkness that is in our world today and it's very palpable. It's very, it's almost like feeling the darkness. The darkness that we experience here in Japan is a darkness, I think, that we need to be aware of and pray for Japan. There is a darkness that people have a good life. It seems like everything on the surface is good. But there's no confidence, there's no assurance, there's no understanding of the fact why they're even here on the earth. But God came with light to dispel the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome that light. The light that comes to the world is through Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And he said, I am 
the light of the world. In him was life, the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. We read, the darkness could not comprehend the light. But the light was able to, in fact, dispel the darkness. God is a God of light. Recently, Katie and I watched a a video that I'd like to share with you sometime on creation. And a good part of that is on the fact of light. Did you know that our sun is a million times, or I think it's, I don't know how many million times, smaller than the greatest star that they've discovered recently. So that our sun, which is huge, looks like a peanut or like a sand on the seashore compared to one of the brightest stars that they found now. So what is out there? It's light. Did you know that light also has weight? We learned that out of that video. Light has weight. We turn on the light, I don't feel any heavier. But light is substance. We talk about the speed of light. You go the speed of light and you shorten up. If you were to go the speed of light and remove anything as far as possibility of burning up, you would be much, much shorter. Now, how does that work? God is light in him. No darkness. God is the God of life. Like I said, you take the light away and we die. Things die. God brought light to us. In him was life. And the life is in the light. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He also said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. In John 6, 48 and 51, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have abundant life in Jesus Christ. He is the one that produces in us a desire to live, a desire to become all that God has created us to be. And in coming to Jesus Christ, he brings to us that motivation, that desire that every man has but doesn't have it in their grasp. And that is to live forever. Well, then why don't you Christians just go out and shoot yourself because you'll go immediately to heaven? And the reason why we don't is because we're living the fullness of life here, regardless of how bad it gets around us. We just read in our family this week of a Chinese Christian who was arrested, a house church member, taken away. His wife didn't know where he was. And he then was able to make contact with her. And he wrote to her saying, I'm fine. I'm alive. And stay strong for Jesus. Don't give up. 
continue following him. That's what keeps us going. Sometimes Flossie and, and Russ are going through. Don't you just wish, Flossie, that the Lord would just take both you and Russ home? <laughs> There's more he wants you to do. Yes, yes. And I think that that's what God is up to with Russ. Praying for those that are serving him, helping him in that rehab hospital. You say, well, why would God do that? Because he's life. And it's life when we can overcome darkness. The last thing that I want to talk about is the statement of the only begotten Son of the Father. What does that mean? It means that God has only one Son. He was begotten. Adam was not a begotten Son. What kind of a Son was he then if he wasn't begotten? Did Adam have a billy button? Might have just been a fixture that God put on there. Adam was not born. Adam was created. But they called Jesus the only begotten Son of the Father because it's absolutely right. He was begotten. And Katie's going to read something for us. Luke 1, 26 to 33. Now the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Coming in, Gabriel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow, what a beautiful story. The only begotten Son. God's Son. He sent His Son on behalf of all mankind. That's what we celebrate. That is what is in the heart of every believer. We have this assurance that our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ is not a myth. It is not just a a good wish. It is factual. It is what we live with daily. That knowledge and understanding of what he has done for us. And he is alive. And greater than Jesus' birth is his resurrection. 
If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we would still be in a miserable state. But he being the Son of God, the begotten Son, and gave his life, and being raised up, assures for us that we are alive forever. What an incredible faith we have. As I've said before, it's the most logical faith you can possibly have. And that's why we need to tell the gospel. That's why we need to to share with our friends. It's not just about a baby born in a manger. Isn't that cute? Isn't that wonderful, fuzzy little lambs? No, this was the Lamb of God who was born, who was given as a sacrifice. And it points all the way back to that first animal that was killed to clothe Adam and Eve in their sinful state. That's the whole story of Christmas. And I hope your friends have an opportunity to hear that and know that from you. That's what it is in declaring peace on earth, good will to men. The Savior is born in the house of bread. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the arms of the Father, he has declared him. Amen.